0: Ephesians 4 verse 7 through to 16. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens
1: Xavier was two weeks early, so when he was born, he was kind of not only wrinkly and squashed like all babies are, but he's also a bit on the small side. But after a week or so, of course, the, the wrinkles and the redness went away, and he's one cute little baby. I think he's the cutest baby I've ever seen, apart from the other three grandsons. <laughs> do you notice, as, as a, I find as a grandparent, that grandchildren are much cuter than children, because you don't have to look after them as a grandparent, do you? So we've got this cute little baby, and that's wonderful. If he stays a cute little baby, however, we'll be greatly worried, won't we? If in, well, six months after he's born, he's about six months old now, if he's still the cute little baby and hasn't grown, we'd be very concerned. And if he stays a cute little baby for the next 10, 20 years, we'll be very worried. See, growth is a principle that God has put into the heart of the creation And that includes putting growth into his purpose for us as human beings. There's two big points I want to make this morning from the passage in Ephesians 4. So if you're going to go to sleep for the rest of the sermon, just note these two things down so you can look intelligent at morning tea. The first point this morning from Ephesians 4 is that Christian people are meant to keep growing and to grow to be like Jesus. That's all one point so we're meant to keep growing and to grow to be like Jesus and the second point is that our Christian growth happens as together we serve one another with the gifts that God has given we'll go back to Xavier as I said if Xavier doesn't grow we'd be worried and so when we see him on Skype we want to see he's getting a bit heavier and longer and uh, he's starting to roll over by himself now, and these are all encouraging signs. If a baby fails to grow in size and in what they can do, you see that as being like a yellow light on the dashboard of your car. Failure to growth is a yellow light, you go down to the paediatrician. Doctor, my baby's not growing, what's wrong? Likewise, it should concern us if we look at ourselves as Christians, and if we see that year upon year, We are failing to grow as Christians that should be the yellow light on the dashboard of our soul and it should give us concern for ourselves and we should be looking to do something about it because if we're not growing the danger is we're going backwards and we may even fall away from the kingdom of God This is not just something that should happen for the new Christian or the young person. We sometimes think growth is what happens in the youth group or the young adult group or in your 20s or your 30s. But as you get older, your Christian growth, well, I've I've done that. I'm kind of like I've graduated from Sunday school and youth group. No, it ought to be that we are lifelong growers in our Christian life. Um, I'm continuing to grow physically, sadly, in ways that I don't altogether welcome. In other ways, I'm kind of shrinking, etc. Um, we continue to grow and change as adults in our physical life, our emotional life, our social skills. We ought also to be lifelong growers by being lifelong learners when it comes to the Christian faith. So we ought to be continuing to grow. But it's a particular kind of growth that God is interested in. And that is a growth where we become more like the Lord Jesus. Um, as Xavier grows, we're going to start looking at you. Um, my wife and his mother, they think he have got the chin that goes in my family. Um, I hope he doesn't get the head that goes in my family and he might have hair like his mother's and so we look at a child as they grow we look to see how the family DNA works out it's all going to be different in every child but we expect to see the resemblance to parents and grandparents don't we now likewise in our Christian growth our Christian growth ought to be such that we become more like God in the ways that we are meant to be like God there are some things that are true about God that are true of God and God alone. The big word is the incommunicable attributes. That just means there's things unique about God being God. But there's other things we call the communicable attributes, which is those aspects of God's character we're meant to imitate. The Bible tells us in Genesis 1 that God made us humans in his image or likeness. We are meant to reflect aspects of God's nature, loving one another, telling the truth. Having a passion for justice, integrity, a range of qualities like that are just the reflection of God's character. And our Christian growth should be pushing us to be more and more like God. And specifically, that means imitating Jesus. Because we were made to bear God's image, but we lost his image with the fall into sin. But we're told in Colossians 1 and Hebrews 1 that Jesus is the one who perfectly bears God's image. So as we look at Jesus and grow to be like Jesus and grow into him, then we also take on the image of God in which we were created. And we see that in our passage, don't we? Look in Ephesians 4, the latter part of verse 13. It's a passage about Christian growth. And it's talking about how we we may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of god and become mature and here's the definition of mature we become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of christ the more you look like jesus the more you've grown from what the passage calls infancy to adulthood and the more you become mature again verse 15 reinforces the point instead speaking the truth in love we will in all things grow up into him who is the head even christ christ then is the benchmark of our christian growth we can break that likeness to christ down into different things we can talk about growing in our knowledge about god we're doing some of that right now as we look at the bible we can talk about growing in our knowledge of god that's our relational knowledge with him through prayer and devotional habits we can talk about growing in godliness of character we can talk about growing in our usefulness in service. One neat little way of summarising that that's being used around the Sydney scene at the moment is to say we grow in character, convictions and competence. Character is to do with the, the basic bedrock of who we are, always the foundation of Christian growth. We grow in Christ-likeness of character. How are you going with that? Then we to grow in our convictions. That's our Bible and doctrinal knowledge. We're meant to be growing in our knowledge about God, convictions. And then finally, growth in competence. So character, convictions, competence. Competence is growing in our availability and our ability to serve Christ as we use the talents he's given us. How are you going with your own Christian growth? Are you attending to your own Christian growth as a serious thing? I guess that most of us here are lifelong learners in... Is it your golf swing? Um, I've just got an iPad, so I've been growing in my technical skills this last week. We grow in all kinds of areas through adulthood. So let me ask, are you also growing as a Christian? And are you being intentional about your own growth as you might be about your growth in some other areas of life? It seems a basic question, but it's worth asking. Earlier this year, I'd uh, been doing some talks on Christian growth to one of our Indonesian congregations in Sydney. And one of the guys came up to me afterwards and and he said, he was in fact quite a mature Christian, but he said, it had never occurred to him that he was meant to keep growing as a Christian. For the way he'd been evangelised, all the focus was on the point of arrival at conversion. And it hadn't occurred to him he's meant to keep growing. Now, in fact, he had grown. He just didn't realise that that was to be important in his life. So I'll ask, are you growing? Are you attending to your own growth? And in the way you relate to other people in the church, in your conversations here and there, your ministry, in the way you participate in decisions for the life of the church, are you also attending to the growth of other people? Okay, that's the first point. We're meant to grow and to grow to be like Jesus in character, in convictions, and in competence. Well, how does all this happen? Let's go back to my grandson, Xavier. Um, Xavier is getting the best possible food as a newborn, his mother's milk. A baby grows by eating. If a baby is not eating, a baby doesn't grow cause and effect. And it's exactly the same in our Christian growth. We grow by taking in the right nutrients, and they are found in the scriptures. Um, Did you notice phrases such like, Speaking the truth, we will in all things grow up. Or verse 13, until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. So even in our passage here, we're being told that the way we grow as Christians is by taking in the right food. And that food is the knowledge of God that we find in the Bible. A newborn baby has milk. 1 Peter chapter 2 talks to us about what it calls the pure spiritual milk that we find in the Bible. This is the basic teachings, telling people that they need to come to faith in Jesus, that they can come to faith in Jesus and telling them how to do it. That's the kind of Christianity 101, pure spiritual milk. And a new baby needs milk. Um, My son likes to cook, and he likes to cook meat, but there's no point in him cooking meat for his son Xavier because Xavier can't take it in for a while yet. Milk is what he needs. The new Christian needs milk. But what happens to a baby who stays on milk and nothing else? For a start, the baby's very hungry, aren't they, because they can't get enough. Second, the baby's not going to grow well. And so our next oldest grandson, um, Mitchell, who's now about... 14 15 16 months i should know he's about 16 months um he's into avocado and olives as a 16 month old he's just that's just kind of what they eat in their family and he'll get on to you know his dad's barbecue stuff in time milk for babies meat for grown-ups same in the christian life the pure milk of god's word for the new convert but then we have got to move on to spiritual solids and so the bible talks about pure spiritual milk in 1 peter 2 but then you come to a passage like that in Hebrews 4 where the writer addresses a group of people, he says, you guys, by now you ought to be teachers in the church. You ought to be running the classes for new believers. You should be leading a small group. Some of you should be preaching and such like. Instead, you're still on a milk diet. And again and again, you've got to be reminded of the basic teachings about faith and repentance. And in effect, the writer of Hebrews says, grow up. How are you going to do that? get onto solids get onto the solid food or the meat of God's Word and so if we're going to grow as Christians the means by which our growth happens is that we take in spiritual food appropriate to our stage of life and that's what we find in the Bible Uh, Back in Ephesians 4, our passage gives us a little understanding of the dynamic of this growth. There's three sort of levels to it. The first one, of course, happens not by what we do, but by God's provision in Christ. And so in verses 7 and 8, we read there that Christ in his ascension glory, Christ gave gifts to the church. When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. The background is in John 17 Jesus is telling the disciples he's about to die and leave them they're crestfallen what are we going to do without you and he promises them the gift of the Holy Spirit but notice the language he uses he talks about another counselor another helper another one who will teach you what I've already taught you the Holy Spirit was to replace the presence of Jesus sure enough in the book of Acts we read of first of the ascension of Jesus next thing is the gift of the Holy Spirit and here we're told that the ascended Christ gave gifts and that includes gifts of Christian service that each one of us is given so the first level of how our growth happens is through Christ's provision in the gift of his Spirit But the next level, then, is to look at some particular gifts that are mentioned. Look at verse 11. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for the work of service. We grow as the leaders whom God has put amongst us to minister with the Word of God, we grow as they minister faithfully for the Word of God, and we as a congregation take it in. Our key leaders in the church are meant to be people who equip, train, educate, encourage, and then set the pattern, but who fundamentally release the members of the congregation into their ministry. Ephesians four eleven and 12, the pattern there is, Christ gives gifts to the leaders of the church who exercise those gifts, the effect of which is to equip, encourage, and release the congregation to do the work of ministry together. And so you look around your church and you see who's got the key word ministry gifts. So clearly Scott is your pastor. Peter is an assistant pastor, the elders in their Bible teaching ministry, the people who lead small groups, the people who minister to kids and the youth group. You look at the people amongst you who got the ministries of the word and see them as part of God's provision for your spiritual growth and the growth of other people who belong to the church. Of course, one implication of that is you've got to make sure that the people with gifts of word ministry are free to exercise it we've seen example of this working out in Acts chapter 6 where the church in Jerusalem ran a soup kitchen great thing to run but a problem arose in the soup kitchen that one ethnic group felt they weren't getting their fair share of the food that was being offered now the Apostles could have done one of two things they could have said this is too much if we get involved in the soup kitchen then it's going to tie us down let's close down the soup kitchen or the Apostles could have said We'll go down and we'll run the soup kitchen and we'll try and squeeze our sermon preparation into the odd moments of the night. Either of those would have been a bad solution. Instead, what they did was they recognised the provision of Christ, of people with different gifting in the church. They found seven people with gifts of running a great soup kitchen as a spiritual ministry. And they said, you do that. That's important. We must keep it going. You do it. As for us, we're called to word ministry. Acts 6-4, we're going to give ourselves to prayer and the word of God. So, as a church, I encourage you to recognize the people amongst you with the gifts of ministering with the Word, see them as being like the cooks in the kitchen and make sure they stay in the kitchen rather than get out mowing the lawns. Someone else can mow the lawns. It's important to do it. But keep the cooks in the kitchen preparing the Word of God for you. So that's the second level in which growth occurs. First one, provision of Christ. Second, the key word ministries. And the third one is we all grow as we minister together with the distinctive gifts that we have. I'm going to use two illustrations. On Friday nights, I like to watch football after a week teaching in the theological college. It's just great, sit down Friday night. And I don't care what the code is, it's NRL because I live in Sydney. I don't care who the teams are, I don't care who wins and who loses. I just like to watch football on Friday night. But think about it. there's 30 hyper-fit people who run themselves silly for 80 minutes, the players, the officials, and all the rest of it. There's maybe 30,000 people in the stands, beer in one hand, pie in the other, and they're watching what's happening, and then there's maybe a couple of million of us at home doing roughly the same, only it's the remote control, so you don't even have to get up. Church is sometimes like that, isn't it? small group of people up the front running around and you know what it's like when you watch football oh i can't agree with that decision oh he's a mug of a player he's not worth being in the junior seas we sit there and watch and criticize others i've never known a church like that have you okay <laughs> that's not how it's meant to be in the church second illustration have you watched kids who are about one or two years old sit and play so i look at my grandson so uh there was angus when he was about three or four and his brother owen who was kind of a year or so younger and uh angus would be sitting there he's kind of doing his own thing whatever it is owen's sitting there and maybe they're even physically touching doing his and there's no contact between them sometimes it's like that in a church isn't it we're all exercising our own individual ministry here or there but we're not working together in one direction and that hampers what we do. Neither the football match nor the kids are the kind of picture we get here of the church. Again, Ephesians four twelve, preparing God's people for the works of service so that the body may be built up and we have unity in the faith. Again in verse sixteen, it is from Christ, the whole body joined and held together. By every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. 1 Corinthians 12 fills out this in far greater detail with Paul's illustration of the human body, which we just don't have time to look at this morning. Um, but what 1 Corinthians 12 teaches us is that every Christian person has got a gift or gift to the Holy Spirit. You may not know what your gift is. You may not be using it. It might be because you've chosen not to use it, or because the church doesn't really allow you to. But every Christian person has got some special ability given to them by the Holy Spirit. And our gifts are all different. I really admire musicians in church, and the contribution they make that moves our hearts in ways that a preacher can't necessarily do so i admire people in church who've got the ability of being with a person maybe with a disability or just a dysfunctional low ability human being and just being with that person year in year out and helping them and encouraging them with the lord i admire the people in church who can sit sit alongside someone who's got a problem in their life that can never be cured It can only be managed. And I admire the person who's got the patience to sit there year by year. I don't have that. I'm a problem goal-orientated person. I admire the person who can help with management of a problem. We've all got different gifts. And they are meant to work together. All of us using our gifts to attend to the growth of one another. Um, Don't think the thing you can do is unimportant. It's not. The Bible tells us, Every gift is important, and it's important as it comes together and we combine to do the work of ministry and help one another to grow. So it ought to be normal then in church that the elders can say to every one of us at the church door, what's your gifting and what's your ministry? And every one of us ought to be able to answer. Now it might be your gifting is a gift of care, and right now it's being exercised by looking after a sick husband at home. Or looking after mum who's in the nursing home that's a spiritual ministry and deserves recognition or it might be your gift is you're great with young kids but it ought to be the elders can say to each one of us what's your gift and how are you using and how can we encourage and support you so you can use your gift so it ought to be then that we've all have a sense of responsibility it's a normal thing that everyone in the church is contributing in order that we might attend to the growth of the whole church flip side of that again is that within the church every one of us has to accept roles of training one another and being trained Um, you're never beyond the point where you've got new things to learn and training to undertake in the Christian life well I'm going to finish by coming back to Xavier as I said there if Xavier doesn't grow it's abnormal and we worry why then in church do we accept The phenomena of the non-growing Christian it ought to be regarded as an abnormality and a cause for concern by the leaders of the church again Xavier grows by his mother's milk and he's just making the transition now to cereal in time he'll get to meat. we grow by taking in the nutrients from the Word of God at the stage that's right to us again as Xavier grows he will take on and show the family DNA and as we grow we should be taking on and showing our family DNA. We've been born again by the new birth, and more and more we should look like our Father who is in heaven and our big brother Jesus. So again, I ask the questions, are you growing as a Christian? Measure yourself against character, convictions, and competence. Are you going the right direction to the measure of maturity, which is Jesus? Are you accepting the word-based ministries of others so that you can grow and be equipped for service? And are you, in turn, serving with your gifts so that others can be helped to grow to be like Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you've provided for our growth in the gift of the Lord Jesus and his ascension of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you've provided for a most marvellous diet for us by giving us the Bible with milk there suitable for newborn Christians. And moving on to solid things that the most wise and clever minds amongst us can feed upon and continue to grow. And we thank you that you give us one another, that we can grow as we use our gifts to encourage, to exhort, to teach and rebuke. And we thank you in particular for those amongst us who do have the word-based ministries, We think of Scott and Peter, the elders, Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, small group leaders, people who go into the local schools. We pray that you'd help us to encourage and release our word-based ministries to sit under their teaching and all of us to grow. And all of us then, as we grow, to use our gifts to serve one another. That together we might grow into the likeness of Christ and together we might grow into Christ. These things we pray in his name. Amen.